the kingdom of heaven. Janet uh, must have been reading my notes. And uh, so she's done my sermon already. Put my shirt down at the back. Sorry. (laughs) It's got to be all out or all in. Ellen dressed by Mary Ellen. Looking good. (laughs) So it's about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven advancing, the kingdom of heaven coming into our lives and into our hearts. I mean, we just see in the scriptures time and time again, Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, Brian Blunt uh, was preaching last week and we had people who were prayed for. The kingdom of heaven came in, in special ways. Anybody got a testimony from last week who would just like to share something that the Lord did? Uh, I've been prayed for lots of times. And when I say lots of times, I mean lots of times. <laughs> but, uh, but Brian prayed for me on Sunday, and definitely there was some growth in my short leg. And I really just want to thank him. I still limp. I still got problems. But I just praise the Lord anyway. And my, um, I just want to say to everyone, persevere, please. If, if you haven't been healed, just persevere. God loves us, and he wants, to, he wants to do his best for all of us. Yeah. Anybody else? So the kingdom of God comes, and I think the scripture that he used was the kingdom of God is at hand, and then we are to preach the gospel, we are to heal the sick, raise the dead, we are to do all those, all those uh, wonders. And, and sometimes when we go for prayer, and, and I, I was... I was amazed when I saw uh, Cheryl go up for prayer because I know that she's been up for prayer hundreds of times, I'm sure. And uh, sometimes we go up, we don't see anything happen on the outside and we, and, we start, and we start to question and we start to say, well, maybe God doesn't heal today. And it's that, that dilemma between the, the already and the, and the not yet of the kingdom. That uh, we, are, we are kingdom people. And the kingdom has come in our midst. And, and my hope and my prayer is that we would see God break through. And more and more healings happen. And more and more people being set free. And that we would keep persevering. Because this kingdom that God offers us is, is the most amazing kingdom. What does heaven look like? I mean, if you have a look at it in the scriptures, sometimes uh, the, the writers say it's the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes it's the kingdom of God. What does this kingdom look like? What does this kingdom look like in your life and my life? Streets made of gold. That's, what, that's, that's the heavenly kingdom which we're going to come to. And that's why every time we break bread, we, we know and we with, look with great excitement to, a, to a, new king, a, new t- a new season in our lives when we go and be with the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. That's a scripture which we, we pray a lot and we sing, a lot, sing about and we're asking for that to happen in our lives. The kingdom of God is where the rule and reign of Jesus is. 
So if you have King Jesus ruling and reigning in your heart, in your life, what are some of the consequences of that? There will be, there'll be peace, there'll be joy, there'll be long-suffering, long there'll be the fruit of the Spirit will be evident. Because it's the presence of the King that makes the difference. I need the presence of God every moment of the day. So do you. This kingdom is an amazing kingdom. And so my scripture for today is from Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read it first from the New Living Translation as it is in the newsletter. And it says, This kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement... He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. The kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven like? I want to read from uh, the ESV as well. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, in his joy, what did he do? He goes and sells all that he has to buy that field because he has discovered the treasure, the greatest treasure of all. This kingdom, this kingdom which you and I are part of. In Romans, and I know I've quoted this often, in Romans 14 verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of of eating and drinking. Well, that's great fun. And next week we're going to have a feast, we're going to be eating and we're going to be drinking. But the kingdom of God is much more than that. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's who we are as the people of God. We have a righteousness, we have a peace, and we have a joy which is from the presence of God, which is Jesus himself. If Jesus is our king, and we submit to him, and we follow him, then that's our heart position. Because that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the worship, the songs that were chosen today were completely amazing. They focused on that. They focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They focused on, on, our, on our salvation. They fo- focused on the King. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where our focus needs to be because He is the King of the kingdom in which we live and move and have our being. And so, the kingdom of God is not primarily about a place, but it's about the rule and reign of God in your heart and my life. And I was praying in the prayer meeting, Janet wasn't there, and I was just, we were talking about uh, the kingdom, we were talking about just seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and his glory. And I was looking at my life and wondering and saying, so often I try and put hope in other things. I, I put in my plan A and my plan B and my plan C and I, and I, and I don't trust in, in him and I don't 
jump into the arms of, of my heavenly father. And I con- confessed in the, in, the, in the prayer meeting, that's so often what I do. When I need to be just resting in him and finding my peace in him and trusting him like that little child. Why could that little child jump into the arms? Because she knew the person would catch her. Why can I jump into the arms of my heavenly father? Because I know my heavenly father is going to catch me. Because he has promised good things for you and I. And so this parable... And we're just, I'm going to take out just a, a couple of points from the parable. The kingdom of God is so valuable. This treasure is so valuable. It's so wonderful. Finding Jesus is just so amazing. So incredible. I, the English language, you run out of words to say how amazing, how, how wonderful this kingdom, how wonderful this treasure is, how, how wonderful Jesus is. That's why I like the gift of tongues. Every now and again, I, I know not what to pray, and I just burst out in, in tongues. I just pray in, in, in the Spirit. But it's just so wonderful. It's so amazing. It's so valuable that everything else in comparison to this treasure is insignificant in fact we could lose everything on earth we could lose everything but if we get the kingdom if we get Jesus we have everything and that's that's uh, uh, it's just it's just amazing and because because I have everything because I have this kingdom in me, there, there's this joy that bubbles up and overflows and, 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 and is there always. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So there's a treasure, so there's value. What is the value? Of you having the Holy Spirit indwell you and live in you. Does that not change our lives completely? And I'm worried about my own life. And I think we went to the pub on Thursday evening. There was a few of us who went to the Kloof Country Club just for a a drink, some people have a beer, some people have a Coke. And there was this guy sitting at the pub. And he probably had a couple of drinks. And he was talking about, somehow he got talking to us. I don't think we had talked about Jesus in our little group as we were talking. But suddenly he was talking about this coffin story in the press where this so-called person was resurrected to life but he was never dead in the first place and that's just 
I get so sad when I see the doom thing and those kind of expressions of what the kingdom of God looks like because that is not what the kingdom of God looks like. And he was angry. He was angry. He was saying, this, uh, nobody was resurrected from the dead. And I wish I could say to you that the, the four of us challenged him and said, but, but, but we actually didn't. <laughs> but we didn't challenge him. We didn't, cha- we didn't like get alongside him. But I know maybe in two weeks' time he'll be there again. And he's in trouble now. <laughs> so we, we bring the kingdom wherever we go. Whether it's to pick and pay when you go shopping or whether it's to Cliff Country Club when you're playing golf or having a drink afterwards. Wherever you are, you and I bring this amazing kingdom of God. So sometimes the, the Christian life is hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, what do you have to do? You have to lose your life. We have, so there's some sense in which the grace of God is completely free. It's just uh, we have it because of what Jesus did, did, did on the cross for us. And we just accept that and enjoy that. But as, as we do that, we give up the rights to our life. We now come under a new rulership. We're under, under the rulership of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our lives are not our own because we have been bought with a price. But he's put us into this marvelous kingdom. And so sometimes it seems like you have to sacrifice and give a lot. But we have to realize that this man in this, in this story, what does he do? He hides the treasure. And we must realize in those days, what would happen is people would bury their treasure in the field. There were some banks, but they weren't uh, very trustworthy. And uh, the Middle East in that time was a place in which wars and, and you got uh, overrun and people uh, attacked your, your village. And, and so people would dig and hide their treasure. It's a bit like us. We put our, our money under our mattresses. Because we're a bit scared of uh, the, the crashes and all that kind of stuff. And so one day this, this, this guy is not even remotely looking for the kingdom. He's not even looking for a treasure. Suddenly, he, maybe he's plowing the field. They don't say what he was doing. Maybe he was plowing the field. He was working the field. And suddenly he came across this, across this treasure. And he thought, wow, this is a great treasure. And he buries it up. And he goes and sells everything he has so he can buy the treasure. The field, sorry. So he can get the treasure. Corrected by, yeah, sorry, no. <laughs> but you know what? It, it came at, it says there, I love it. It says, in his joy. In his joy. Okay. A week or two ago, the... Lotto was 230-something million. Imagine taking a ticket and looking the next day and seeing the number. Now, 230 million is a lot of money. It changes your life forever. But in comparison to the 235 million that you could have won a couple of weeks ago, finding the treasure of Jesus is far beyond that. 
You can't put any monetary value. It's just, it's just, it's everything. We, we, we get life. And so, when you find the treasure, the sacrifices that we make for Jesus come with joy. It comes with joy when we make sacrifices for Him. Why? Because the more we gain of Him, the better it is. You know, Alex preached a, a few weeks ago, and one of his scriptures was about the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 3, verse 7 to 8, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He wanted to know the surpassing glory of the Lord Jesus. That was, that was his, his motivation. There was one day he was riding on a donkey. He was riding on a donkey and he gets knocked off. He was a zealous religious man. And he gets knocked off his horse. And his life changes. Why? Because he encountered Jesus. And so from becoming a persecutor of the church, he became the Apostle Paul and he wrote uh, quite a lot of the, of the New Testament. God uses different people. You and I probably wouldn't have chosen Paul. If we had looked, who should we choose to extend the gospel to the Gentiles? We wouldn't have chosen Paul because he was persecuting the church. But God had plans. And so Paul suffers loss of all things that he might gain Christ. We don't buy the kingdom of God. It's not a, something we, we earn. But we give up everything we have for him. And the kingdom of God, it says in uh, Matthew six thirty three, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what it's promised, everything else will be added unto you. So as we seek his kingdom and his life and his rule and reign in our lives, and as we walk in the righteousness that he gives us, the imputed righteousness that he gives us, what will we do? We will look and we will smell like Jesus. Don't you want to have a fragrance of Jesus? So for those of you who were here last Sunday, Brian was challenging us to go and uh, be the, the light and salt in the world to, to be bold and pray for people and encourage people. And so we went to lunch with him afterwards. And so we thought, oh, we're going to watch and see what happens here when the waitress comes. Because he's going he's gonna to have a word of knowledge or something. And he's going he's gonna to pray. And uh, there's going to be some amazing thing happening. The kingdom of God is going to advance. And the waitress comes up to us, gives us our, our, our orders, and, and then turns to me. And says, uh, I smell Jesus all over you. Yeah, I was looking for our opportunity to share with her. And she came and she said, I, I feel, I, I can see Jesus on you. I can smell it. You have a fragrance. You have an aroma of Jesus. And that's what we carry. We carry Jesus. So we are the fragrance and the aroma of Jesus. Where we go, we make a difference. You might not think that. 
And you might not think it because of what you did yesterday or you were grumpy with your husband or you, or you kicked the dog or, or whatever it was. You might think you don't deserve to reflect the glory of God. But Jesus puts the glory in us and we smell and we have an, a, a, a fragrance and an aroma of Jesus. So we have this amazing treasure. I want us to, I'm, I'm excited about the treasure. I'm excited about Jesus. Whatever else is happening in our lives, and there's some beautiful things, and the Lord blesses us, and I'm having a 60th birthday party, and I got a puppy for my, for my birthday, and he, yeah, that's uh, challenging. But it's Jesus. It's Jesus, and he gives us everything. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where's your treasure? Where's my treasure? If you have this treasure, if you and I have this treasure, in Luke uh, 12, 32, this comes true for us. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. I don't have to earn it. It's just part of the package deal. Part of the, when I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, when I declare him that, that he is going to come and walk in me and walk with me, and he does that, and I confess my sin, and I repent, and I do all those things. The beauty of the scriptures is he comes and dwells in us. And he gives us the kingdom. He gives it to us. Not only does he give it, it's his pleasure. When I buy something for Anthony, particularly when I know that's something he really wants. He wants a guitar. He wants a new bass guitar. And they're quite expensive. But I'm asking the Lord that he would fund that for me. That I can buy him this guitar because it's a pleasure for me to do that it's a joy for me to do it because when i know it's and it's the one that he wants it's the one that's right for him when i know that and he gets it there's going to be such joy in his heart because he's got this amazing guitar and i'll get great pleasure out of that it's god's pleasure to give us the kingdom So these two stories, I'm going to close now. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field with a man, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. And then the second one is this merchant and he's looking for the treasure. He's looking for the pearl. He's looking for the pearl of great price. And when he finds it, again, he sold all that he had and bought it because he has the treasure. Are we going to give up everything for the treasure? And the treasure is Jesus. So there are two stories here. In the one story, the guy's just going about his normal day and he finds a treasure. The other story is the guy who's actually looking for treasure. How did you come to Jesus?
If you look back to when Jesus called you, were you looking for him? Were you searching for him? There will be some people who would have been like that. But if you were, I told my own story, well, I wasn't looking. I was quite happy playing cricket and tennis and having, I was, I was 15 and somebody came and shared the gospel, shared the four spiritual laws with me. And I gave my life to Jesus. Jesus came and lived in me. I want to close with the last story because it was just so wonderful. I read a story about Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the greats in the Christian church. And I want to read how he came to Jesus. When he was young, I think he was about 15, he used to attend church because it was the thing to do. But he didn't know Christ and he wasn't seeking Christ. He was content with his religiosity. One morning when he decided to, to go, it was in New York and it was a morning and it was proper to go to church. His biographer said there was a, such a blizzard of snow that he was not able to reach the church he was in the habit of attending. When I could go no farther, he said, I turned down a court came to a little primitive Methodist church. The preacher who was meant to preach on that day never got there because he was held up by the weather. And quickly one of the officers had brought, was brought forward to conduct the service with a congregation of perhaps 15 people. The man said Spurgeon was really stupid. His text was, Look unto me, and, ye, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. And he just kept repeating it because he didn't have anything else to say. Something about that young Spurgeon caught the preacher's eye. Young man, he said suddenly, you look very miserable. Miserable in life and miserable in death. You will be if you don't obey my text. And suddenly he literally shouted, Young man, look to Jesus. Look, look, look. And Spurgeon said, I looked. And then... And there, the cloud was gone, and the darkness rolled away, and that moment, I saw the sun. What a story. People, my challenge, my beloved, my family, my challenges, look, look, look to Jesus. He's the one who's worth looking to. So Spurgeon wasn't searching for anything, but he got it anyway. He stumbled into a fortune. Few people have ever lived, have ever, who have ever lived, have, effect, have, have affected so many souls as Charles Haddon Spurgeon.
I don't know who the stupid guy was that just kept repeating the text. But it was God. And God speaks to you and I through the text, through the scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the treasure. Beyond all comparison, a treasure. The treasure is God himself. That's what we get. We get Jesus. And I pray for each person here that we would know the treasure. And with great joy, we'll give everything up to know him more and more. Let's stand. Repeat after me. I thank you. Jesus, you are the treasure. And today, I follow you. I make a decision to seek you with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my understanding. I thank you that you will reveal yourself to me more and more each day. And there's going to be a great joy as we walk and enjoy this together. Thank you for the treasure. Amen.